right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. You don't got time for that. Right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We have a uh, Kansas City star-filled show today. Coming up later, we'll be joined by Jesse Newell to talk a little Chiefs. We've got Shreyas, and, and I don't want to mess up the last name. I, I believe Lada of the Kansas City Star uh, going to be joining us at 440 to talk a little KU basketball after their win last night in Lubbock over Texas Tech. So we'll start right there. KU comes out with the victory. I thought that um, toward the end of that game, I, I thought it was a little similar to, remember the Texas game last year in Austin, where it was like KU is a back-and-forth sort of game, tough game, tough uh, team that you're playing up against. And Kansas, it felt like they were in control. They were up by, I think in the Texas game, they are up seven with like two and a half to play. This game, it was, I think, eight after the Jalen Wilson free throw with three minutes, two and a half to play. And then you just let it quickly slip through your fingers. And in the Texas game, they ended up banking a three that ended up beating you, which is incredibly stupid. Uh, this game, you didn't have that happen, which is certainly a positive. Um, so I guess... It didn't end up being the same, which is a good thing. You ended yep. up winning that game. A yep. uh, lot of talk after the game from Tech fans upset with the officiating, to which I say... Uh, Dude, cry me a river, man. You oh, made, my you made God. Ten, you had 12 free throw attempts. You made 10 of them. Kansas only attempted four. You were Texas called Tech for... Uh, 26 minutes without a defensive foul. Yes. Called against for a team that plays as, minutes! as physical as any team in the country. K.J. Adams had his leg held on to and was oh, not that was earned a foul. That was horrible. Uh, yeah, the the one that really gets me, like if you want to say, okay, Jalen should have been called for a hold on Daniel Bacha, but the, the one where they're complaining about, oh, K.J. Adams should have been um, called for a, a technical for hanging on the room. The guy was right below him. What do you <laughs> want him to do? Just fall and sprain his ankle? And then Bacho should have been called for a foul on that too. My point is, like, it equals out. There are bad calls all around. Like, if we're just yeah, going to play that game, I we don't need this, to. This I, has always been my statement on referees. Mm-hmm. This stuff generally yes. tends to equal out. Like, they're correct. They, they There's tend to a be reason. Bad both for the ways. most part, we come on here and we don't just sit here and go, could you believe the refs did this or that, <laughs> even when Kansas loses? Like, when Kansas lost to TCU earlier this year on a borderline. You know, fourth down and ten that could have been called holding or pi. Yeah. We mentioned it, but like there were other reasons and more important reasons. Kansas lost the game. Don't use that as the primary excuse. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, it's it was it was bad all around, but it's not like it was only one sided, right? Like if yes. it's blatantly one sided, sure you can have that conversation. But yes. this was a game where it was literally assault on every possession, <laughs> and it was it was all good, right? And this is where like this is where I also follow the opinion of like. I don't really care if you're going to call or not call stuff. Just make it consistent throughout the whole game. I thought they right? did, to like, be if, honest. If, if you're going to let it be a street fight, okay, let's have a street fight. Yeah. Like, let's do it, right? No, I but thought then, they were consistent. Exactly. I thought they were, too. I thought it was fairly consistent in the sense of, okay, they're not going to call that stuff. Let's get after it, right? 
And that's fine with me. Like, I'm okay with that. Do you ever wish that we could go back and just not have replay? Like, do you um, think our sport... I, I mean, there are certain times when replay is, is obviously helpful and, and gets the right call. But from just yeah. a viewership standpoint, from a pure entertainment factor... Do, well, is, okay. Isn't there something beautiful about I, the mystique of when you go back and like there's a there's a story about the the 1969 Super Bowl winning Chiefs about Otis Taylor catching a long pass and like the Raiders say he was out of bounds the Chiefs <laughs> say he wasn't you have the the JoJo White which that one goes against Kansas like was he was he out of bounds did he make the shot there, what, there's what bowl game was that was that for Kansas where he fumbled at the one but it they weren't sure if he actually fumbled or not um, against Georgia Tech I think wasn't that the Orange Bowl. Against Georgia Tech? Oh, yeah, yeah. In uh, 1949, oh. I want to say, 48, <laughs> oh, whatever that I orange bowl was. it was that early. Um, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> there's a part of me where it's like, would we just would we okay. just have a more enjoyable? There, there'd be less of, TV timeouts, and there would not be none of this arguing. Like, I instead disagree. Of, be, I, there would be the same amount of arguing. There'd but be, it, would be, it would be so much harder because you'd have to argue based on not seeing all these different camera okay, angles. Okay, counterpoint. I think replay actually adds to the entertainment factor for people at home. <laughs> I really do. I think it adds to it. I think it makes it more exciting. I would I basically I'll put it this way. I would now, like does to it, I think it it detracts from it detracts from the product for sure. Yeah, I I would like to see a game. I'm putting it this way. I would like to see a game where they don't put any replay on the broadcast okay, but, and see what happens. Okay, here is the And see how I would feel about the game. If I'm watching a game in like 1940 or 1950, whatever, as a fan, I know that whatever the official calls, that's just like I don't have any way of knowing whether or not that, you know what I'm saying? Whereas modern fans, I, I don't think this would work with modern fans because modern fans know that officials suck and they know that they get stuff wrong all the time, right? Like if you're, if you're watching a game in 1945... How are you supposed to know if the if the officials right or wrong? You don't, right? Like you have no idea. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying. But from, then from my entertainment factor, fans, I don't need it. They know they have empirical evidence. Every literally every single sporting event that's played, they know that officials suck. They don't get anything right. They're almost always well. They're not always wrong, but they're they're wrong a good amount of the time. Okay, so I just don't think that would work. But. Counterpoint, I wonder how much we overemphasize, hey, the official missed this when the majority of the calls from the officials are right, but we don't that's we true, don't focus I guess. on those. I guess and the true. ones that we focus on are the ones that they instant replay five times on the <laughs> broadcast and they're like, You messed this call up. Now we wouldn't have that. Well, what's also stupid is we've had multiple times of evidence, even recently in the bowl games, where it appears blatantly obvious to most people that the call should have been replayed and gone one way, and then it doesn't. It goes the other way. Yeah. Right, like the Michigan touchdown or the targeting penalty that was in, in the Tulane game. Yeah, right, like that was just get rid of that it. was textbook targeting. Saves us all time. No targeting. Less, less to argue about in in a stupid way. I think it would make. I think more the officials do a good enough job. We we don't need the replay. We're fine. We're good. <clears throat> okay. Anyway, uh, that aside, <laughs> went a little further on that than I wanted. How about Dewan Harris, man? Five for five from three. Yeah, he's good. I think it's safe to say that Dewan thrives in hostile environments, which which makes sense. I mean, you're talking about a kid who is very calm and composed out there. Yeah. But also, when you look back at some of the things he's gone through in his life to get here, um, I mean, he's I, just, he's just the definition of consistent. He's just the definition of not too high, not too low. He just does, yes. he just plays his game. Like this is nothing right? for yeah, him. Yeah, he just plays his game. Yeah. So five or five from three. He said in the post game. 
that uh, he was feeling good coming into that day, and sure enough, it, it worked out for you. Kind of reminded me a little of that. Remember the Marcus Garrett game? Uh, I think it was against Texas, maybe. We were like 6-6 six of six from three or something, <laughs> and it was just like, well, if you're the other team, you just kind of tip your cap and go, okay. Yeah, I mean, well. is, it, is this really replicable, you think? That probably not. I, do I mean, think he's shooting over 40%. DeJuan is a much better shooter than Marcus Garrett. Is, I'll say that. He's shooting yes. over 40% from three now. In his career. Oh, and he's shooting career? 41% in his career well, right now from three. So he's not someone who's going to, you know, work off a screen and shoot off the dribble or you're going to have him run around a screen, catch, square his shoulders in the air and shoot. Like, he's mean, not that guy. leave but him open. Exactly. He is a good shooter and if you he, leave him open and, and give him time. It To me, it feels like him personally plus Bill Self is saying, hey, if a dude's going to sag 10 feet off of you, take that shot. Take it every time. And look what happened. He went five for five. So if he's going to do that more... That should only lead to free up even more guys like Jalen mm-hmm. and Grady, right? Because what was the idea behind just being able to face guard Grady the whole game? Well, you're playing four on five shooting wise because Dewan's not going to shoot. Oh, Dewan's not going to shoot. Oh, no, 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 no. We'll just face guard Grady. Not anymore. Dewan's so good, man. I, I hope he, he gets the recognition he deserves and winds up on a first or second team all Big 12, even if the stats aren't totally there. But, uh, hey, if he has more games like last night, stats are going to be there too. Um, could you make the argument that among the two Big 12 games, I know that's a very small sample size for Kansas, but through the first two Big 12 games, could you make the argument that K.J. Adams has been Kansas's best player? Not saying you have to make the argument, but Maybe. could you? I suppose you could. You know what's wild? What? KJ Adams plus minus is minus in both of these. Really? Teams. Yes. That's a good example of like that just that just goes to show plus you that, minus with a grain of salt. Exactly. That just goes to yeah. show you that there are plenty of things that you can only really truly quantify with the naked eye, basically, mm-hmm. by watching the game. Because like you're right. Anybody that has watched those games has recognized that KJ Adams has been a significant contributor and yeah. has made an impact in many ways. Well, if I did, if I changed it to over the last three halves of basketball, I think it's even more likely you'd have to pick KJ Adams because um, Jalen had a really good overall game against Oklahoma State, but if you're getting rid of the first half when KJ struggled a little bit more, maybe it's that. So I, I don't know what the answer would be because because Kevin McCullers struggled a bit yeah. over the first two. Now, he, he made I mean, some huge plays. Two so. fouls early in the game against Tech. Yeah, that hurts. That, that's tough. That's and tough. and he made some of the biggest plays of the game. He hits the big shot. He gets a big steal at the end. Like yeah. His defense is still so invaluable. Um, But if you're ranking the best players just how they've performed in Big 12 games, KJ would have to be ahead of Kevin right now. He had you know, 14 points. Again, he's great on offense, gets all these offensive rebounds and tap outs. Um, if you're, I don't know, the Dwan Harris one is tough because... Dewan had a great second half against Oklahoma State, and then he has this well, game. I'm so, also concerned that with Dewan, like at some point later in the season, we'll we'll become almost lulled into the sense of this is what he's going to do. Like, every, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like every game, right? So I I still want to highlight when he the things that he does because he's such an integral part of the team. But you know who I think had their best game as a Jayhawk who? Against, for, against Texas Tech? Bobby Pettiford. Yeah, it was awesome. He was awesome. Six assists. He was great. That I think. Not even close. By far, that was his best game as a Jayhawk. Seven points, six assists, four rebounds. If he's going to unlock that next level, like, man, now you're feeling really good, right? And I've kind of alluded to it before. It's like, I think for this team to kind of reach that highest level, they need Bobby Pettiford to play at a high level, not necessarily because of what he does, but because of what Bill Self thinks he can be. Does that make sense? Like, yes. 
they need Bobby Pettiford to play at a high level because Bill Self believes that Bobby Pettiford can play at that level. Yeah. No, it makes you feel like and you have that because sixth of that, starter. Yeah, and because of that, Bobby Pettiford's going to be playing pretty significant minutes because Bill Self trusts him and believes that he's going to hit that level of, of, of play. So that's why I th- I've always thought he needs to be at that level for that reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, the way he's played since coming back from the injury has been very, very good. And uh, it was nice to see he... I mean, he has, he has not attempted a lot of three-pointers over the course of his career. He is... Yeah, would you like to take a guess how many three pointers he has taken in his Kansas career so like far? Five, seven. Okay, he is two for seven. He went zero for three last year. He is two for four this year. The first three he launched was like a line drive. I mean, they both were kind of line drives. Oh yeah, he the, against Tech. Yeah, yeah, it was a laser beam. Yeah, it was like a. <laughs> it was like. Pew. So I I don't know if he's a good shooter because he refuses to take them and also like. I don't think I can recall a single time he's taken a mid-range jump shot. He's also only taken seven free throws in his career. He's five for seven. So I have zero idea if Bobby... Fe- you could convince me Bobby Pettiford's a really good shooter. You could convince me he just he, he's not. I have no idea. But well, does, um, does that Kansas, was important to show. Does Kansas have two of the most true like old-school point guards in the whole country? Mm. Both of them? That's a good point. Dewan Harris and Bobby Pettiford? If you put Dewan Harris and Bobby Pettiford 20 years ago... Everybody is like, oh my gosh. Yeah, like these, these guys are the these true are leaders. John Stockton. Yeah, because it's like, yeah, you don't need a point guard to shoot back in the day. But yeah, uh, both end but up I mean, shooting But I mean, in the well. whole country, they've got to have two of the most true, like, legit point guards. Yeah. Well, it's, it's getting you back to the point where if you can have that first guard off the bench, similar to last year, where in certain situations you can play them together if you need to. Uh, when Kevin McCuller had that foul trouble, it allowed you to play Bobby next to Dewan, and I yep. thought the offense ran really well there. Yeah. It allows you to spell Dewan and keep him fresh with the big kind of tasks that he has to take on on, on both ends of the floor. And when you had that that kind of one-two punch of point guards with Remy Martin and Dewan Harris last year, that's when you were at your best. So the fact that Bobby's playing this way, sure, he's not going to be the scorer that Remy is, but you saw him hit the three. You saw him hit that kind of wraparound layup, which was kind of shades of the game-winning shot he had against Wisconsin. That yeah. was really good stuff from him. Um, so I think overall you, you feel really good with a win in that game if you can really follow it up on Saturday. Like if you beat West Virginia, you're going to be feeling really, oh, yeah. really good. Yeah. You're going to three and zero with two wins on the road. But I think bare minimum now, even if you do lose to West Virginia, you're not going to feel great in the moment. But I think if you get to the next day, you're going to be like, okay, we're two and one here. Everything's in front of us. Yep. We split two tough road environments. So I think I, I kind of view that West Virginia game now as a result of you beating Texas Tech as like the cherry on top game. Yeah, to me, the Texas Tech game was a perfect preview of how I anticipate pretty much every road Big 12 conference game going for Kansas, which is this is a proven, tough, elite team that is not going to get rattled really by many environments at all. But also, you're Kansas. Every Big 12 road game is going to be a sellout. Every Big 12 road game, you're going to get the other team's A-plus game. And that's, I mean, that's what happened from Texas Tech, certainly, right? And... I think, like I said, this is going to be a preview in the sense of, I think in a lot of these Big 12 road games for Kansas, aside from like probably the Texas and Baylor games, right? Those ones may be a little bit different. But against some of these quote-unquote middle-of-the-tier Big 12 teams, you're you're probably going to be watching the game thinking, okay, KU is pretty clearly the better team, right? But they're going to have to overcome, like I said, a tough road environment. 
probably a sellout because everybody sells out against Kansas. Probably the other team's best A-plus performance because that's just how it is when you're Kansas. You have a target on your back every, every game. And if they're able to still overcome that, I think that's just going to speak even more highly to Kansas, which is what happened against Texas Tech, right? I mean, yeah. against Kansas, against Texas Tech, the first five minutes of the game, Kansas was completely out of sorts, really, right? But then once they figured it out, they were head and shoulders above Texas Tech pretty much the rest of the first half, and they kept them at arm's length for most of the second half, and then they kind of fell apart a little bit late once Texas Tech hit a couple shots, got the home crowd behind them and whatnot, but they still pulled through. To me, that's pretty much going to be the blueprint, I think, for most road games for Kansas, where you're probably going to be sitting there for a good 30 to 35 minutes of the game thinking, okay, yeah, Kansas is clearly the better team. You know, They're, they're hardened. They're tough. They've, they face tough environments. But if the other team gets hot or has their plus game like they probably will, it could be a loss. Yeah. Right. If can and that's that I'm saying that it's like if Kansas brings like their C plus game, basically is is what I think would happen. But if Kansas is bringing their B or A games, to me they are tough enough. They have enough athleticism. They have enough skill position players that they should still be able to overcome that. Yeah, because I mean Kevin O'Banner had a great game. Pop Isaacs, that guy's going to be a problem for for many yeah. years to come. Yeah. And if you would have said coming into the game, Tech was going to go 10 of 21 from three, and they were going to make eight more free throws than you, that they were going to make six more free throws than you even attempted. And with the Texas Tech defense great. on the road, you were going to be like, oh, no. You wouldn't feel and very Kevin McCuller was going to get in foul trouble early. Be like, oh, crap. Well, that's not yeah, good. So basically, if, if, they you're, won. if you're a KU fan, like, I would just say buckle up for every road game. Because yes. I, think, I think what you saw against Texas Tech is probably what's going to happen well, especially, I mean, because everybody is good in the big. We saw Kansas State go into Texas and put up 113 yeah, exactly. points. Exactly. Yeah. Every team is good in the Big 12. So anytime you get a win in this conference, that's a big positive. Anytime you get a road win, huge Mark Adams for that. Nev- Mark Adams had never lost at yeah, home. Yeah. A 29 game home winning streak. That's usually like, only a home winning streak we see for like Kansas in the Big 12. Yeah. Like you snap that, like that's a big deal. And obviously Texas Tech's not ranked. I mean, it's not that flashy of a win, really. But it is. But I think 12. what gets me is that you were the clear better team for about 35 minutes yes, of that game. Definitely. Like they, they outplayed yes. you for the first four minutes. They probably outplayed you for the last three. Everything in between, you were, you the, were the clear team. better team. And there was a point there in the first half where if you go from like the 16-minute mark to the end of half, you're like, wow, this team is unbelievable, especially yep. on that offensive side of the ball. So overall, impressive win for KU and uh, – Gives them a little bit of margin for error for what happens on and Saturday, also, but the Texas loss that you alluded to, mm-hmm. like I know it's only, I know we're only two games in a conference play, but that's pretty huge. Like losing a home game in terms of the Big Twelve title race, mm-hmm. like that's pretty huge. Well, I think that's what you root for in the early going because it's it's kind of hard to do the scoreboard hunting in the early going because you don't totally know who's going to be like the, yeah. the the top contender, right? Because you could you could be rooting for some team to lose, and then all of a sudden they end up ten and eight, and the team you were rooting <laughs> for them to lose against ends up the team you're competing with for the title. So that does make it a little scary. So I think that's K- just K-State's, the common K State's not competing. Yeah, well, that's just the common. Um, I, ho- I hope not. Thing to do it's root for teams to lose at home. Yeah, yeah, because those are the ones they're not supposed to do. Or maybe you should just root for the. Home team to win every game? I don't know. I actually need to think about that more. Because uh, the home team wins every game, then everybody would be 9-9, nine and nine, except for Kansas. You went on the road? <laughs> I guess there's multiple ways of approaching it. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Jesse Newell of the Kansas City Stars is going to join us in about 15 minutes. We'll be back after this timeout. 
Jesse Newell is going to join the show in about 10 minutes. You're listening to RCST on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. So uh, while we were having our conversation in the last segment, uh, shout out to Matt Krause who uh, listens to the show. He was not happy with you, Nick. It was I was getting me? responses to me and like... Because he is—he's an official himself. He said we oh, don't he's an suck. Official? Oh, okay. He also said that was not target or that wasn't not targeting um, of the UCLA and then, game. So I think he figured out that because you were the ones that were, you were the one that was saying that stuff. That was not me. <laughs> so I don't know why I was getting I the apologize. brunt of this. Um, but then he said I feel attacked by your co-host. So would you okay. like to apologize? I would. I would like to sincerely apologize. Listen, <laughs> I've, I've explained it. I've explained this. I, I I'm actually the guy that does not like talking bad about refs. Right? Like listen, I. I kind of alluded to it. Like to me, I don't care about refs. I'm never going to blame the refs. I'm not. I'm not interested in in ref talk. Other than just, just let's just have a consistent game. So like you don't I said, care right? about him. No, I do care. You about You just him. said you don't care about refs. No, you I do, do not care no, about I, him. I, uh, no, I do care about him. Mm-hmm. I just, I just, I, I'm not one to argue or get mad about the refs making bad calls. Is mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say. Right. Okay. That's not, that's never been my thing. Okay. So I just want to make that clear. Okay. I've always, you know, like I said. If you want it to be a street fight, let's have a street fight. Just be consistent, <laughs> right? Like, however you're going to call the game, just call it the same. That's all. That's all no, I care I know. about. I, I know what you're saying. I'm just that's putting all, you in a fun spot. That's um, all I care about. So, Matt, I sincerely apologize. <laughs> I love officials. They're great. We need them. We need officials. Yeah. Without officials, we wouldn't have. We need games. more officials. We do need more officials. So I apologize. I think you should go officiate basketball. I'd be a terrible basketball offic- officiator. Offic- official? Official. What sport do you think you would be the best at officiating or refereeing or umpiring? Hmm. Um, I guess football maybe or basketball because I don't think I'd be good at baseball at all. I just don't because I'm afraid of the ball. So I'd be jumping <laughs> out of the way. I'd be like, dude, I don't want to be standing behind this guy. <laughs> And then I don't know enough about, I, I I mean soccer like, I could probably figure it out. I mean, how hard is it to referee soccer? Well, it's pretty tough actually because you got guys flopping all. Yeah, time. soccer would be kind of tough. I can't skate, so hockey's out of the question. Out of the question. So you just can't be an official. <laughs> Maybe like little league basketball, like when they're in like second grade. I feel like you just let them get away with whatever. Oh just yeah. Like yeah, eh, just well, no, thing. I'd just be calling charges left and right. <laughs> You think the second graders are going to be taking charges? <laughs> I know I don't care. I'd be calling them anyways. I feel like you you just kind of let go like the double dribble calls and like some of the I don't know. Yeah. The travel calls. I feel like that would yeah, just be true. all game. Yeah, that's true. Or could you imagine? Yeah. Could you imagine if you like called it super tight in like a first graders game? <laughs> <laughs> Everything that happened was was just an automatic. <laughs> Dude, the, the game, game would, would take, take three five, hours. Yeah, the game yeah. would take five hours. <laughs> Um, so we did rock chalk okay. pick a hawk last night. I'm glad everyone. I'm glad I apologized to Matt. I feel like we can yeah. go up. <laughs> get that off your chest. Uh, you stayed on a roll. I cannot I'm get off win number five. Fire! I'm on fire. You scored 135 points, which I believe is the most anyone scored this year. Let's go. So you uh, picked Jalen Wilson first. You just had a very balanced, balanced portfolio. Yeah. You know, they say to invest yeah. in different things. You you balanced yourself out well. Jalen had 25. He he did like all of it in the first half, which by the way, yep. um there was a some controversy, some controversy yes. with Jalen Wilson. Did some he score 14? Did he score 16? Luckily, if you use DraftKings Sportsbook with you which you should with code KLWN, they didn't have that problem. So, uh, uh, they figured it out. There's a little nod for you. Uh but Dewan Harris got you 25. 
KJ got you 24. Pettiford yep. got you 20. Yeah, Bobby is very quickly rocketing up the charts mm-hmm. as like a pretty solid middle-round pick guy. MJ only got you two. It was off one assist. I'm be honest, I don't even remember MJ playing. It was for like two minutes. At one, Kevin McCuller was in foul half, trouble yeah, first, first half. half yeah, um, yeah. A game where Joe Yesifu couldn't play for a hamstring injury, that's not a good sign that MJ still couldn't log more than two minutes. Yeah, I mean... It was a tough competitive game, so I don't I don't think I'm that shocked, right? Like I'm not convinced that Joe would have played a whole lot really. I mean, he might have played a little more, I guess, because of McCullers foul trouble, but I don't I don't think he would have played I mean, do you think he would have played more than five, six minutes either in the first half? Yeah, you're probably looking at somewhere between like five and seven so minutes. I, I don't I'm not looking into that too closely because we already know that neither MJ or Joe are really fully in the Bill Self circle of trust. Yeah. Well, because what and happened th- and this was this game was a circle of trust yes. game. They, I mean, they expanded the bench in the first half, and then second half, it was just the six guy. Maybe to be playing the second half, I, uh, I think I don't he know. might but have I, come hey, in. But I am ready to I am ready to put the stamp of approval on Zuby's uh, application for I the think I am too. trust. Yeah, and we'll get to more He's bench talk later in the show. Approved. Uh, but yeah, for me, it was it was a tough day. I had Kevin McCuller. He only got 12. Grady Dick got me 30. That was nice. Daniel Baccio got me 24. Zuby got me 10, which is good. He had a couple blocks. But the guy, zero from Yesifu and Clements. Neither played, yeah, obviously, with Yesifu, yeah. the injury. We didn't know Yesifu um, was going to play. But it, it didn't impact it. It wasn't yeah. like our earlier game where I, I think it was Kevin McCuller didn't play. And that yeah. clearly had an impact on, yeah. on our pick hawk. But uh, Kevin O'Banner, for you, ended up scoring the most points. He was your last pick. So this is back-to-back <laughs> times that you have taken, like, well, reluctantly. I don't want to take a guy from You took Bryce team. Thompson last. So I think... <laughs> I think what this is, it's a signal. Whoever you take is going to go off against Kansas. Do you realize you have that power now? Mm, interesting. You took Bryce Thompson, then you took Kevin O'Banner. So the question is, do I continue to take one player so that they go off, or do I just try not to take anybody, and if I don't take anybody, then nobody goes off? I think we should test it. You should take like a walk-on for the you know West Virginia <laughs> on Friday. Well, I'm not going to, but I'm on, a, I'm on a hot streak, Derek. I'm trying to win Pickahawk. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I don't want to just throw the game. <laughs> All right. I mean, come on. He's Nick Springer. Right now, pick a hawk champion. I am Derek Johnson. Let's go. Jesse Newell, Kansas City Star, gonna join us next. This is RCST. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson and joined now by Jesse Newell of the Kansas City Star to talk a little Chiefs as they head into their last matchup of the regular season and head into the postseason after that. Where and who they'll be playing, I don't totally know. I guess first things first before I get into you know some of the stuff that's happened here or, or some of the developments or where the Chiefs are at at this point in the year. Uh, after what happened on Monday Night Football with uh, Demar Hamlin and, and everything he's been going through, I I, I kind of just been wondering the reverberations of that and how it could be affecting some of the different teams and some of the different players. Like, has there been any noticeable difference in, in how the chiefs are, have kind of been going about things in their day to day since that happened? Well, yeah, the main thing was um, just to give a peek into the chiefs media schedule. Uh, typically on a normal Sunday weeks when they play Sunday games, they uh, go Wednesday, Thursday, Friday from the facility. This week, obviously they play Saturday so they were supposed to go Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and they actually canceled Tuesday's media session uh, with reporters, sort of in light of what happened to DeMar Hamlin and not wanting, to, I guess, to speak out of turn in that aspect. So, yeah, today was the first day that they actually talked to reporters about uh, that specific thing, and the first time that we heard from them 
even about football or the last Broncos game, you know, since the game itself. So that's the main thing, and then obviously there will be more reaction. We've seen some online from players like Patrick Mahomes and other people reaching out and basically, you know, sending good thoughts to Mars way. But uh, it did alter the Chiefs' schedule a little bit and gave uh, one less day to talk about not only uh, that situation and the playoff picture, but the game they have coming up this weekend against the Raiders. Any way you slice it, any way that the schedule is eventually going to come out, this is a huge game for the Chiefs in trying to secure that number one seed. Well, we we saw last week against the Broncos, once again, like the theme of the Chiefs kind of playing with their food, so to speak, or, or playing down to their opponents. Is that something that, that's problematic for how you view this team, or has there been enough sample size to where this is kind of the, the weird team over the, the course of the past few years where – yeah, even if they do this, we've seen it before, and they're going to be okay come playoff time. Like, how do you kind of balance those two things? Yeah, I think balance is a good way to put it. You know, if if I could be any team out there right now, I'd want to be the Chiefs uh, in the NFL because I think what they have going for them is most likely to show up on a week-to-week basis, which is they have an amazing passing offense, which is kind of foolproof. You can throw good defenses at it, bad defenses at it. It kind of travels no matter where you go. And they have an amazing quarterback in Patrick Mahomes who has lifted them up. And so, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. We can talk about them. You mentioned playing with your food or playing down in the competition or playing close games, even in Vegas. Anticipated it wouldn't be a close game. The reason for that has sort of been the Chiefs have been really crappy on a few big plays. And, and that's more fluky, you think, than just dominating a team over the course of 60 or 70 plays on offense and defense. But if you look back to these games, I mean, Okay, the Chiefs last week, they were poor on third down. They had a really costly penalty. Joshua Williams on a fourth down that would have resulted in a, a turnover downs or, or Russell Wilson throwing that interception. Uh, they had the fumble on the punt return from Kadarius Toney, and they had the interception in the red zone from Patrick Mahomes. I know you can't play this game, but like I would say the Chiefs dominated 55 of the 65 plays on both ends, but the very top 10, they're, they're losing. But... The way that they play, if you win 55 out of 65 plays, you feel really good about your team. You feel really good about overcoming mistakes. I mean, what is Patrick Mahomes so good at? What's the stat we always hear about him? You know, when he gets down 10 points, the Chiefs still have a winning record, amazingly. You know, So this team can win when they don't play well early. They can win and overcome mistakes. And all that is because their passing offense and their offense in general is on a different level than any other team in the NFL. So, like I said, I'd rather be the Chiefs than any other team out there. Are there still... Are those things still concerns? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, is Tommy Townsend holding the football and, and that operation between him and Harrison Bucker a concern? Yes, and it's been costly throughout this year. Is punt return fumbles a concern? I mean, you don't expect them to always happen, but they've happened so much this year that, yeah, it's a concern. It's a concern moving forward. Um, the, the Chiefs pass defense. You know, are, can these rookies hold up? Can they avoid penalties in, in costly moments? That's not usually something that happens week after week after week, but we've seen it cost them in some really bad spots against both Cincinnati and then last week against Denver. So I think overwhelmingly I like what the Chiefs have. I like what they're doing, and I like week to week having that ground floor of you know basically the Chiefs are going to be a pretty good passing offense if everything goes as planned. But all this other stuff that's happened does put a little bit of doubt in your mind to say, hey, if this happened in a playoff game, would you be shocked? You wouldn't be shocked because you've already seen it in some instances this year. Which level or player of strong play of late do you think could mean most for this team as we do head into the postseason? Is it the way that George Karloftis is kind of finishing here? Is it the way that 
they're getting all this usage from the running backs with Pacheco and Jet McKinnon, or is it somebody like Justin Reed or, or maybe somebody else? Yeah, I think you hit on some good ones there. Uh, Justin Reed, I, I looked up, I think it was the last, ever since the Cincinnati game for the last five weeks in pro football focus grades, he's third among all safeties. So he really has elevated his play lately, has given some great coverage. We can go to a guy like Orlando Brown. I mean, sort of the thing we don't want to talk about here is that, you know, the Patrick Mahomes issues last weekend for Broncos were Patrick Mahomes issues. You know, he hurt his knee, it appeared early in the game, and was kind of trying to shake that off. But all of a sudden, the last six or seven games, he hasn't had much pressure around him from anywhere. And a lot of that has been Orlando Brown playing a lot better late here in the season. Um, yeah, Carl Karloftis getting the five and a half sacks here lately. Uh, you feel better about the Chiefs' pass rush. That's always been a thing. Like, how much will Steve Spagnuolo have to blitz to bring the pressure? And really, the Chiefs, by and large, have not pressured too much, at least from Spag standards here, the last few weeks, and have been able to survive uh, being able to do that. So, yeah, I think all those things are positives if you're looking at the Chiefs heading into the playoffs and things that you would expect as this team came together and had some new pieces come in and, and get acclimated. So, all those things are positive, and the defense has played at an acceptable level here recently. You know, their their grade, their standard is a lot lower than the offense because the offense exists, and you expect the offense to do great things. So, as I said earlier, I think the Chiefs are in a great spot. It's just sort of limiting those things, those huge plays. I mean, they are a part of football games. They're sort of like uh, three-pointers in college basketball, if you will. You know, I mean, you can do great things defensively. You can do great things uh, in transition or with turnovers yourself, but if the other team makes 14 to 28 threes, all of a sudden that kind of goes out the window, and that's sort of where I see the Chiefs struggling right now. It feels like they're doing everything well except for these big plays, and the big plays matter a lot, but if they ever do get that fixed, you sort of have what you saw in the Seahawks game where the Chiefs overwhelmed an opponent and the game was not really close at all. Is there a possible playoff path or a few matchups that – you think would would maybe be the the best path or the easiest path for the Chiefs versus what could possibly be like the nightmare scenario or, or the toughest gauntlet to get through the AFC? Well, yeah, I mean that's why this this Bills Bengals thing is such a a nightmare for. I mean the, the game just meant so much. I mean it's hard to even know what to cheer for because if you're the Chiefs, if you get the one seed, then you potentially want to put all these roadblocks in front of the two and three seeds, the Bills and Bengals, at least have them be kind of banged up when they potentially come to Arrowhead for the AFC Championship. But if, if the Chiefs get the two seed, all of a sudden, man, you could be looking at a road like Miami at home, then the Bengals at home, then the road to play the Bills to get to the Super Bowl. Uh, that doesn't sound fun. Uh, if you're the one seed, though, you could be, okay, you potentially get the Jaguars at home, and then the winner of the Cincinnati Bengals game versus the Buffalo Bills game in the you know, the divisional round would have to come to Arrowhead to play the NFC Championship. And all of a sudden, man, that's about as nice of a path as you can get when you combine that with the, the, the bye week that you would get as the one seed. So that's why there's so much up in the air, so much is at stake with this decision. And uh, obviously, you know, we talk about DeMar Hamlin and his health, and that's on the forefront of everybody's minds. But, uh, that, you know, the teams, this is big business. This, these teams have been playing and jockeying for this spot for – 17 weeks now and for this to come down to the very end and not even be clear on how it's going to come down to the very end uh, it is uh, fascinating and it's also kind of a I'm sure a nightmare in the NFL office to try to figure out what the fairest way to determine how the rest of the season is going to play out is going to be so yeah I mean obviously the Chiefs if they get any any one seed they're going to love their path because they're only going to play one of the Bengals and Bills and they're going to have all those games at Arrowhead and they're going to get the bye so really any way you slice it there I think is a great path 
you get the two seed, then it's all up in the air, and all of a sudden, your road to, to a potential Super Bowl becomes a whole lot harder. Well, let's say they, they end up not getting the one seed, and at that point, they get the, I don't know, the two or even the three seed. Like, what if, I don't know, that game ends up being played, and the Bengals win, and then the Chiefs get upset by the Raiders this week, and then they drop to the three? Um when you're looking at possible wild card matchups between, I guess, the Ravens, the Chargers, and then whoever the heck is going to get the seven seed, is there a team that you think would be a most worrisome matchup for the Chiefs there? Yeah, and I probably look at this more in just bigger picture. I mean, I've, I've kind of gone back and forth on this in my life. You know this with sort of like KU. It's, it's You can say a game is a bad matchup, and then the two teams play again another time, and it doesn't look like a bad matchup anymore, and so... Sometimes I just kind of default to team strength. You know, how good is one team versus the other? What, is, what are the Vegas odds going to say? How much margin for error do you have against a particular team in a game to not play that well and still advance in the playoffs? And so I think it's pretty clear right now the AFC has three really good teams. You know, you have the Chiefs, you have the Bills, and the Bengals. Um, obviously, because the Chargers have played the Chiefs twice really well and, and you know, uh, seem to be getting a little bit healthier toward the end of this year with, uh, Brandon Staley calling really good defensive game plans. That's probably one of the teams that most Chiefs fans want to avoid. If you just look at them big picture, they probably still would be a, a pretty heavy favorite or a pretty heavy underdog if they came into Arrowhead. So um, statistically, you wouldn't worry about that team, but I think mentally, you probably would a little bit. And seeing what Justin Herbert has been able to do against the Chiefs, so um, you know, Patriots, I think it would be fine. Miami would be fascinating because it would be obviously those two great receivers against the Chiefs secondary. But still, the Chiefs would be a heavy favorite in that one. I don't think the Chiefs fear either the Jaguars or you know maybe the Ravens a little bit more if Lamar Jackson comes back healthy. They haven't been whole here for a while. But I think if you're just looking at this from a base level, it's if you can avoid playing both the Bills and the Bengals to be able to get to the Super Bowl, that's really what you want to be able to do. And the rest of it is just sort of being able to play your B, you know, B minus C plus game and a home game at Arrowhead. If you do that, you should be able to advance and make it make your way to a game where uh, it's going to be a, a really interesting one, whether it's against the Bengals or the Bills. Raiders are the opponent this week in Las Vegas. The first game in, in Arrowhead certainly was closer than you might think, and the Raiders almost came away with the upset there. This time, no Derek Carr starting. What do you kind of make of this matchup, and, and what do you kind of expect to happen on Saturday? Yeah, so the line I think started at 9, and I think it's down to 7.5 last time I checked. Uh Chiefs are going to be standing kind of on their own in this game, playing on a Saturday and knowing the pressure is on them with it. Uh, I'm going to expect it's close. You know, I expect Chiefs fans to take over Las Vegas uh, for multiple reasons. You know, a good place to watch a game and obviously a good location to watch a game if you want to do other things before or after uh, that particular matchup. Uh, but this is a pressure-packed one, and we saw with Jared Stedham last week. Uh, he performed, I think, you know, probably not as well as everybody thinks he did based off his numbers, but better than most people would have expected based off of the natural inclination, thinking he's going to be a major step down from Derek Carr. I thought, you know, he acquitted himself pretty well, but this is a tricky one. You know, the Raiders would love to, to get in there and mess around with the Chiefs and keep them from having the season that they want to have, and uh, the pressure will be on the Chiefs here. So I can definitely see this being close. I think the Chiefs, as they've done basically as every AFC West opponent in every AFC West game this year, has the edge when you have a close game and they have uh, you know that sort of thing on their side but I wouldn't be surprised at all if this is one that the that the Chiefs have to sweat out and obviously Chiefs fans have to sweat out while they're trying to pursue that number one seed. 
We're talking with Jesse Newell of the Kansas City Star for a few more minutes here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. To, to get us into the new year here of 2023, I have a couple Kiss Mary Kills for you. Are you game? I'm ready. Let's do this. All right, first up, this is a Kiss Mary Kill reason for the Chiefs to lose a playoff game. Number one, special teams mistake. Number two, offensive turnovers. And number three, the defense just has a bad game. All right. Uh, you know, I'll marry the defense having a bad game. Uh, they've been better lately, but I think you still look at some of the overall big-time, you know, overarching stats out there, and they're still somewhere in the 20s in, like, football outsiders DVOA. So, like, on a down-by-down basis, first down by first down, letting teams drive down the field and then giving up points in the red zone, um, they've struggled. They've still struggled over the course of this year. Also, kind of the double whammy when you give up long drives, you don't give it back to Patrick Mahomes very often or as many times in the game to try to make up for your mistakes. So, I'll marry that one. I, I, the defense, again, they're created on a different level of curve than the offense, but uh, this is still a team that is being dragged along by its offense being better than anybody else out there. I will marry the special teams' mistakes. Uh, I don't, overwhelmingly, turnovers are not something you can predict. And we saw this last year with the Chiefs. When they started off three and four, everyone's like, oh, it's the turnovers, it's the turnovers, it's the turnovers. And then the last five or six games, they basically didn't turn the ball over at all. Looked like the team everybody thought they were going to be. Those things are normally fluky. However, you know, it's happened so much now, it sort of can be a mental thing at this point, I think. And uh, you turn the ball over four different times on punt returns and then one time on, one time on a kickoff return. Uh, yeah, this is something that the Chiefs seemingly could have gotten fixed by now and have not gotten fixed by now. So I think that's a concern. Uh, that leaves the last one, which is, uh, I think it was, what did you say, the offense turning the ball over? Special and, teams uh, mistakes. Sorry, what was that? Special teams mistakes. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Special teams mistakes. I'll I'll put as the as the as the kiss, and then what, and then the offense just not being good. Is, is that just read me off what you had from the offense? Yeah, yeah. That one's least concerning. Yeah, special teams mistakes, offensive turnovers, and the defense just not being good. Okay, so special teams mistakes. I will kiss. Offensive turning, offensive play turning it over. Uh, I will kill that one. Uh, the Chiefs are good. Again, they, we saw this last year. They turned the ball a bunch over in the first eight eight games or so, and then it basically the faucet turned off and the Chiefs were the team we thought they'd be. So I think those things are flukier more than anything, and I'm not banking on those things, killing the Chiefs in a potential uh, win-or-go-home game. Kiss, Mary kill. Award edition. Patrick Mahomes winning MVP. Chris Jones winning Defensive Player of the Year. And Andy Reid winning Coach of the Year. Well, I'll marry Patrick Mahomes winning MVP. That's going to happen, and I think it's deserving. Uh, he hasn't had the same level of highlight reel plays this year. Uh, he's had a lot, but, I mean, just game by game, it's been more like checking down and taking what the defense gives you, but that's led to the Chiefs being the most efficient offense in the NFL. So um, I will definitely marry that one. I will uh, kiss Andy Reid winning coach of the year because he's not going to win it, but he probably deserves it <laughs> or at least deserves to be in the discussion, but – that's not the way these things work. You know, you have to over be over expectations in a certain year. So you're going to see one of those teams that was expected to be a middling team making it to the playoffs, and that, that coach is going to win. But really, this was supposed to be a, a step back year for the Chiefs. For them to potentially go 14 and three is really damn impressive. So uh, I would kiss that he should get consideration for it, but I know he's not going to. So that'll be fleeting. And I, you know, I'll, I'll kill Chris Jones. Um, I think through. 12 or 13 weeks, he had a legitimate uh, argument to be in the discussion. 
Uh, the last few weeks have not been as dominant for him, even though he's come through in crunch time. But I think there are better defensive players out there than him, even if you go by some of the PFF grades and some of the people that look at this on a play-by-play basis. But what a year he's had, and I would definitely go with this being a career year. He's lifted up the Chiefs defense when they really needed him. Is he the best defensive player in the NFL? Uh, probably just falls short of that. All right, last one. Kansas basketball wins the Big 12 outright. Kansas football wins seven or more regular season games in 2023, and the Chiefs make it to the Super Bowl. Wow. I will... I will marry the KU basketball winning the Big 12 outright. This is normally not the side I'm on here, but... I mean, it's going to be anarchy here. Like, these teams are going to knock each other out. I'd be really surprised if any team gets above to the, you know, 12, 13 win mark other than Kansas does, and they just win all the close games. And we've seen it, and they've got a head start on everybody else. So I'll marry that one. I will will kiss the Chiefs being in the Super Bowl. Uh, As I said before, I'd rather be in their spot than any other team, and especially if that – Bengals-Bills game becomes a no contest, which I think is definitely on the table. And the Chiefs get that one seed. I really like their ability to be able to get there and have everything run through Arrowhead. I guess that means I'm killing seven wins for KU football. <laughs> uh, I, I don't hate it, but I think six is probably a better bet. And they did win some close games this year. Still have a kind of a toughish non-conference schedule next year from the first glance that I did. So I think six would be fine. Maybe you know seven if you get the, the bowl game and get the right opponent. But Around six is what I think for next year, even with all those guys coming back, which, again, around these parts should still be a great year for the Jayhawks. There you go. Jesse, appreciate the time. You can find all his work in the Kansas City Star. Uh, Happy New Year, and uh, have fun in Vegas this weekend. All right. Appreciate it, Derek. Thanks. That was Jesse Newell. You can check out all his work in the Kansas City Star and at KansasCity.com, a KC Star edition of RCST today. This is FM 1017 at 1320 KLWN. One hour down, two to go. 20 till 5, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer, Derek Johnson, and we have a uh, new guest joining the show now. If you haven't checked out his work already, you should in the Kansas City Star and with KansasCity.com, the new KU beat writer for the Star with both football and basketball, Shreyas Lada, who joins us now. Shreyas, I, I appreciate you taking some time out of your day and, and hopping on here. Um, I, I guess first things first, you, you came over, before we get into some actual KU basketball, just to introduce yourself, you, you came over, you have a background living in Georgia, you were covering UConn prior to coming over to Kansas. Uh, what has been the most surprising thing for you about living in the state of Kansas? The most surprising thing? I mean, honestly, the expectations I had weren't super high, but I really enjoyed it. You know, <laughs> I mean, I, I always wanted to live in like New York city and stuff like that. since I've been like 10 years old and you know, maybe one day, but it's been a lot of fun. It reminds me a lot of Georgia, like Lawrence does uh, Athens, especially uh, UGA. And I mean, everyone is super nice. I mean, the Midwest hospitality thing is still real. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I just wonder if, you know, for, cause you, you just was, never know if the, you think uh, it was like, uh, you're just going out to the plane somewhere on a farm and then you, you come out here and you're like, Hey, there's actually stuff going yeah, on. That there. was a real glowing review of, yeah, <laughs> no, I, I have that all the time with my friends from California. So it's just, it's always fun to hear it from people. Um, so switching over to basketball, KU takes down Texas tech last night in Lubbock. What do you account for the biggest reason as to why Kansas won last night? I think the biggest reason Kansas won last night is, 
they made their shots. I mean, at the end of the day, you have guys like Juan Harris who are, you know, kind of reluctant shooters making five and five from three. I mean, it kind of, they did a really good job against that defense that kind of forces you to corners and, you know, funnels you towards the out of bounds line. And they did a great job cutting and making sure that, uh, you know, kind of the players are the right spot to make take advantage. Like KJ Adams cut a lot, and he was wide open. They lobbed the ball over him, and that they left him open in that middle area a lot. And I was just really impressed with you know Kansas's ability to kind of limit turnovers and be at the right spot at the right time against a tough defense. Is there is there a number or amount of of threes that I, I know Bill Self said he wants Dewan taking three a game, but you think that Dewan needs to kind of hit percentage wise? for this team to really be at its peak? I think if he shoots like 38% on maybe like three threes a game, it opens up a lot of doors for Kansas basketball. It's just about, you know, him being non-hesitant to shoot those threes because, I mean, you guys saw it in the Texas Tech game and you saw it in, you know, the Oklahoma State game. Is These conference games are just sagging off the one. I mean, like they give him the chance to shoot the, the ball. And Oklahoma State, he made two of two from three, but you can't have him only shoot two threes a game. He has to be more comfortable to take those shots because you're forcing the rest of the Kansas team then to really overcompensate because it clogs up the paint, clogs up the spacing overall. I mean, KJ can't shoot. So if you put Dewan in to be a reluctant shooter, you're really clogging up the area for Grady and Jalen um, and some of these other guys to kind of shoot the ball. And, you know, I think Bill Self and the rest of that Kansas team knows that, and they've encouraged Jawan to kind of shoot the ball. I mean, he talked about it post game. He was like, "My teammates told me to shoot the ball, you know." And I, I felt good coming in, and and you know, the, the rim felt a little bigger, and it, it, you know, he made he made those shots. And apparently, uh, Bill Self he's quite said he's quite the shooter in can, uh, in practice. So it's not something that's like out of the ordinary. It's just he's more of a facilitator, and I think he's more comfortable that role. But I think for Kansas to take that step this year and be consistently good offensively is they need him to be unafraid to take those shots. Well, for any basketball team, you're going to go on positive and negative runs, and certainly that hasn't been away from this team. You, you get down 15 at half to Oklahoma State uh, just last game, and against Texas Tech, you start down 13-5, to but then you go on a big run after that. When, when you've watched this team or, or studied this team and seen when they're playing poorly – versus when they are playing well and everything's kind of clicking for them. Is there something that sticks out to you, whether it's a player or just something about what they're doing well that changes uh, to, to whatever degree that is of, of how successful they're being on the floor? I think a lot of it just comes down to, I mean, it's cliche, but energy level. It, you know, When they're playing with high energy, they tend to have the right rotation. They're taking the right shots. They're taking, you know a good control pace on the ball, you know, good control pace on offense. Um, you know, a lot of times they're not overhelping on defense. They're just playing the way that Kansas basketball is, should be played, according to Bill Self and that team. Um, you know, one of the biggest things, you know, like in the Oklahoma State game especially is you saw the difference in the half is, you know, their defense really tightened up in the second half it became suffocating for Oklahoma State. They were forced to make a lot of errors in the second half that they didn't make in the first half. And what they had done was they essentially had switched from trying to trap the bigs to putting KJ Adams on that island and saying, hey, KJ, you're 6'7", and you're a beefy guy, and you have this matchup against a guy who's 7 foot, and go at it and try and stop him. Force this guy who averages 8 points a game to beat you. And Oklahoma State couldn't do that. And the same thing happened in the Texas Tech game. You know, KJ Adams had a lot of one-on-one matchups, and he's played bigger than his size. It's been really, really impressive. I've, I've noticed 
when Kansas lets him play one on one and you know doesn't uh, overhelp, it gives them an opportunity to kind of make sure the rest of the defenders, uh, you know, that need to be there and be around the around the arc. It doesn't let other teams get hot. And KJ has kind of shown if he can guard his matchup, no matter how big or small they are, it kind of forces the rest of the team, uh, you know, gives them the opportunity to really showcase how good defensively Kansas is. And I think, like I might have said and mentioned, is like the KJ Adams matchup of the game because of how undersized he is, is always the most interesting matchup because I think that determines a lot of the games, uh, especially in conference play. Speaking of KJ Adams, could you make an argument that he's been the best player on the floor for Kansas in these first few conference games? I think so. I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't say the best player, but I'd say the most important maybe or the second or third most this thing. He's become really comfortable in that short pick and roll. He's really showcased this ability to kind of take it to the hoop when, you know, given the opportunity. He talked about it after the Oklahoma State game. He's like, you know, Jalen, Grady, these guys get all this offensive attention on them. It lets me do what I do best. And, you know, I've been really impressed with his offensive game just since I've started the beat. It's been roughly a month, and he's gone, I think, a, a run of, like, nearly six games with double-digit points. You know, it's, it's just watching him play and evolve in the offensive end and, you know, obviously just showcase how good he is defensively, how to showcase who he is as a player and as a prospect. And, you know, I think the better KJ plays, the more likely Kansas is to advance deeper in the tournament. What did you make of Kevin McCuller's performance last night? Because it was... Uh, a game that homecoming for him, the fans certainly let him hear it. He gets in foul trouble early, struggles shooting the ball, not a ton of rebounds from what we're used to, but he also made some big plays at the end of the game. So uh, what did you kind of make of, of his play? Do you think the fans may have affected him at all? I don't necessarily think the, the fans might have affected him. I just think, you know, it might have been, you know, you're coming back home, you have all this time to prepare, but it is a place where you've played, you know, three years and and naturally you're gonna be thinking about that and and every shot that you take whether you know the fans are booing or saying heck yeah or whatever it's always gonna be the back of your mind and i think for him he's playing with a little bit of nerves early on and you know you can clearly see it and i think it for him just overall it took him a little bit of time to settle down and you know not be so energetic and be overhyped because it's natural for any player when you're playing in an environment like that and you know you're coming back to what what's previously your home to really want to go out and showcase oh man you know these fans should remember how good i was or whatever and i think that was that kind of energy a little bit initially and that's why he had those quick fouls and slowly over the game he settled down and by the end of the game he had two really important plays you know that big jumper around the, the minute mark and that steal that um you know may or may not have been a foul on a, another ku player but you know it was a super important steal for kids and i think it kind of showcased like you can play pretty okay and not up to his standards for most of the game. But if you show up in the minutes that matter, that's all that matters. Well, I, I was going to ask you about, you know, if if you went into the future and you got to see that Kansas did end up winning the Big 12, about what reason or aspect that would kind of lead to that happening. But I don't know if that would be kind of the same answer about the energy. So let's go with the flip side of this. If Kansas ends up falling short of maybe what their expectations or their hopes are this year, what do you envision being that shortcoming that kind of bites them in the butt at the end? I think it's two things. Uh, one of them is they're just an undersized team, uh, you know, and eventually they'll get to a point where they play a team where they have this All-American at, you know, big 
that just can really take advantage of it. I know they play Tracy Jackson, but he couldn't take advantage of it because they had timely doubles and they had a good chance of rotating. Um, and then they played Cissé, who was not All-American big, but he's a really big guy, you know, and he took advantage of it for a little bit, but could do it. I think it ultimately just comes down to the fact that they aren't quite there yet on the big man side, I think. They need, like, KJ obviously stepped up, but they also need a big man that can provide 15, 20 consistent minutes off the bench. And each one of them, the young bigs, have kind of showcased a little bit. You know, Clemens has showed up for a little game. You know, uh, Uday has showed up a little bit. Zuby showed up. But they haven't consistently done it day in, day out. And whenever one of them does it, I think that was going to be super, super big for Kansas because they're playing really short rotations. You know, yesterday, obviously, um, yesterday was hurt, and they played basically six deep into the rotation. And even with Bobby and Yesu and all that, you know, they're playing seven, eight maybe. Bill obviously doesn't quite trust the young big men off the bench yet consistently enough to play in big minutes. And I think if that doesn't emerge, I think that could really hurt Kansas in the long run. Playing these shorter rotations um, tires the players out in the long run. And, you know, playing an undersized team, you have to put more energy than other teams do because you're already undersized. And, you know, no matter how athletic you are, it is just a disadvantage. Well, you you were covering UConn last year, and obviously this year's rendition of the Huskies is, uh, I mean, last year had a good season. They, they get, what, a five seed in the NCAA tournament, but this year's team has just taken it to another level. Looks like they're destined to be a one seed. So um, I, I don't know how much you know it, you have kind of rooted back to, to paying attention to what they're doing right now and everything, but like you see a team like them where they have a really dominant big man in, in Sonogo down low and what you were talking about with the big men and, and playing against Trace Jackson Davis, like is, is that the type of matchup that, that you would be most worried about with Kansas? I think so. I mean, honestly, I was thinking about it because a lot of my friends from Connecticut have been texting about Kansas and they're like, Oh, you know what? It would be crazy if they meet up in the final four or whatever. And honestly, that's the matchup I'd be most worried about for Kansas because it's not just the fact that, UConn has two dominant big men in Sonogo and Klingon, who's a really good um, freshman off the bench. It's that they have guys who can shoot the three ball. So it's hard to attack a team like that. You know, they're shooting 36% from three as a team. So if you shut down Sonogo or Klingon or whatever, you still have to also stop other guys in the perimeter, which I'm not worried about Kansas doing. It's just, you know, it's, it's a, a testament to, KJ and the belief that self has that they can do it. It's just, you know, how tired out will they get in the pursuit of stopping these big men? And will that affect the perimeter defense and affect their overall like energy level and offense? Have you gotten a chance at all to, to look ahead to the West Virginia game or, or see kind of, I don't know what, what you expect or, or what you think could be a, a critical part of that game? Uh, I haven't looked a ton, but I mean, I think it should be a fun game. I mean, honestly, this entire conference is just, you know, a dogfight is is the way I describe it. And it, it, it's going to be incredible. I mean, it's funny. I, I thought coming to this Texas Tech game, I had predicted every game. Like, you know, I'd been 5-0 and in my predictions, like, you know, piece that I put out every week. And I thought this was a game Kansas was going to lose because, I, you know, hostile crowd, 29-game winning streak. It's easy for it to flip. You know, it's a conference game, easy to lose. It's just really tough. I mean, they've, they've gotten away with it the last two games these tough dogfight games, and it's kind of a props to them. But to be quite honest with you, I mean, this game where they're up 10 late, you know, and they kind of give up that lead, they really should not have been as close to the game as it was. 
um, in Texas Tech and Kansas. But that crowd definitely played a factor. And I think another you know tough crowd like West Virginia on the road, it's going to be a fascinating game to see because you know like they are highly ranked in Ken Palm and they're super highly ranked overall. And I, I just think it's going to be a matchup that kind of showcases there's no real bad team in the Big 12. And I'm excited to see what happens. Did your Kansas City star compadre, Jesse Newell, force you to use the word Ken Palm in this interview? Absolutely not. I'm a big <laughs> Ken Palm guy myself, so. <laughs> okay. No, we love Ken Palm as well. It's just a fun thing with Jesse. Um, so, uh, switching gears real quick to some KU football. I know you didn't get to track the whole season and everything as, as part of the beat, but there was some news last night, Kai Thomas transferring out. Uh, how do you kind of see that impacting Kansas in 2023? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's an interesting thing because Kansas is like, you know, Kyde was kind of the third string guy behind Hushaw and Neil. I think he, you know, naturally wanted to get some more reps. And it was interesting because he had a pretty good Liberty Bowl game uh, in the sense of, uh, you know, he had 11 touches and two touchdowns. Um, so I was a little surprised there. And I'm, I'm curious to see where he lands. Uh, and I'm sure the coaching staff wasn't super happy to see him go because, you know, like anytime you have a guy who's that talented and has that pedigree, the high school background where he was a four-star and, you know, Kansas guy, it's always tough to see him leave. Um, I think I think they'll be okay. I know they have another running back uh, recruit coming in and Johnny Thompson. I think they have seven guys on the roster um, that are currently running backs. And, you know, between Devin Neal and Hyshaw, I think will hopefully be healthy by next year. I think what the uh, the team had told us was Hyshaw was returning had returned the team at Skibbies. So I presume, you know, with everything going on and him, you know, returning to team activities, he should be 100% good to go by, you know, February 28th, which is when they start spring practice. But obviously, it's too early to tell. Um, but I, I think they'll be fine. I mean, that that running game was is dynamic, and, and Jalen Daniels just adds another dimension to it. So. Um, obviously tough to see anybody transfer out, but I think in the long run, Kansas will be fine. All right, Chase, before we let you go, I have a very, 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 very serious question for you. You don't yeah. you don't like Canes. Why? <laughs> I, I think it's flavorless. I think it's uh, you know, I'm a big I'm a big flavor guy. You take out the sauce, it's it's honestly just saltless chicken and uh, you know, the texture's fine, but I, I need a little sauce. I'm an Indian guy. Come on now. I need a little spice. I need a little something. Um, I need something to it, you know. And Cane's just doesn't do it for me. I'm a Zach Steve. I mean, does the toast doesn't do anything for you? The crinkle cut fries. Uh, I mean, I the, the fries are good. The toast is good, but I'm not going to a chicken place for that stuff. I'm going for the chicken, you know. I mean, I guess. All right. Well, I gotta. We gotta figure out a way to get you back on on Team Cane's here. I don't know what to do about that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, Shreyas. I appreciate you hopping on here. We hope to have you on in uh, future weeks as well. Um, again, you can check out his work, Kansas City Star, and at KansasCity.com. Appreciate the time, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure talking to you all. All right, that's Shreyas Lada from the Kansas City Star. Again, you can check it out, KansasCity.com as well, including the recap of the KU-Texas Tech game from uh, last night. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. Two hours down, one to go. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. <laughs> Five o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Another edition of Florida Man Mad Libs in about 15 minutes from right now. KU takes down Texas Tech on uh, last night's action. 
by the way, I was wondering. So Texas Tech fans let What's Kevin that? McCuller have it. They did. They the, they the bleep did. you, Kevin Chance. Crazy. Yeah. I thought that was a it was, little much. It was it, okay. I knew it was going to be a lot, but it was somehow even more than I expected. Yes. Do you agree with that? Like, I agree. I, I did not expect be a lot. the bleep you, Kevin Chance. Basically, <laughs> I expected him to be booed. I expected the fan base to you know jeer. Well, and we're talking that like, part. No. I mean, heavy booing. Like even in the second yes. half, every time he got the ball. Yeah, I is is which then I tried to I, I tried to recall. So you have Bryce Thompson. I don't remember anybody doing anything when he came back last year from with Oklahoma for KU. State. Yeah. No, I don't think so. And like, who? What other? Has there been? But any you other know players? what it is. My my wife pointed this out to me last night. I was like, why does why does this happen? Um, she was like, think about it. Usually, when players transfer away from Kansas, it's because they're not. Good enough. <laughs> Whereas when players transfer, seriously, it's because they're not playing enough or they're not like starting. When players transfer away from other programs, it's because, it, like in the case of Kevin McCuller, it's because, oh, I, I'm too good. I want to go to a go, better school. Or right? I want to go win a national championship. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or win a Big 12 title. So it is a little different in that regard. Okay, fine. But no, I, I, I thought, I don't know. that is. I, I was having this debate. We were talking about this off air before the show. Is Texas Tech the Iowa State of the state of Texas, or is Texas Tech the Kansas State of the state of Texas? This is an interesting one because— Maybe they're a mix? Uh, yeah, I think it's a mix. I, okay, they definitely have the Kansas State tendencies in terms of—I think a lot of Texas Tech people view Texas as like their big rival, like, oh, we're, we're Texas rivals, whereas I don't think anybody that is Texas fans even knows what Texas Tech is or where they are. <laughs> I mean, let's just be honest. Okay. So when you look at that in relation to KU and K-State, it's kind of similar— but KU and K-State at least are actually rivals. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even think Texas and Texas Tech are rivals. Like, if you went up to, if you went up to a I'm Texas— I'm sure if you asked a Tech fan, they would say yes. If you went up to a Texas fan on the street and said, hey, give me like, your give me your top five yeah, rivals. Like Oklahoma, Texas A&M, I don't know, TCU. Yeah, like, yeah, like how far down before you get to Texas right, Tech? Yeah. Right? Baylor. Right. But they also have the Iowa State tendencies of, like, they're just kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And they just boo like everything. The, yep, they boo everything. I still think it would like, be funny if one game— all the Iowa State fans decided to boo like a ghost. <laughs> if that specific game, like, what boo. You, oh, okay. okay. You know, I was like really a Halloween confused. Ghost. So, what exactly you meant? It really catch the other team off guard. <laughs> um, That's a tough question. So, we talked a lot about KU in the open. And if you missed it, you can check it out on the podcast. But uh, kind of diving deeper into the bench, we talked a little about Bobby Pettiford and how good he was. Yeah. And, and obviously, KJ was great. Dewan was great, hitting all the big shots for you that you needed. Jalen had a great first half. He kind of fell off in the second half, just one of seven in the second half. But he, he really was a big reason why you had that that solid lead at the end of the first half. I thought Grady was pretty quiet. Yeah, Grady was pretty quiet. But he ended up the having ball. a good night. He did. He, he went, like, I think five of six on two point shots. He had a bunch of. Uh, rebounds, eight of them, I think. A couple really good offensive rebounds, including that really great second jump one. And then he had like three assists. Uh, he got lost a good amount defensively, but like overall, he had a pretty good game. Yeah. And then uh, Kevin obviously had the foul trouble and, and dealed with some things. But I thought the bench was it was a very interesting game, I guess to say the least, because in the first half they went pretty deep into the bench. You saw. Bobby obviously continued to play. You still didn't have Joe Yesifu. You saw a brief period of time for MJ Rice. You saw a handful of minutes for Cam Martin, handful of minutes for uh, Zuby Ejiofor. Yeah. 
And so in the first half, you, you saw a bunch of different names. And then the second half, it was it like was just the starting five and Bobby. Plus Bobby. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> so yeah. a very weird game for the bench, which I guess was kind of similar to the Oklahoma State game. They tried every lineup imaginable in the first half. <laughs> and I just viewed that as like they're down so much, they're trying to find any momentum they can. Yeah. This game was a little bit different. Uh, as far as all those players, like I said, we we talked about Bobby. and, and Yeah. I think, and we've talked about Zuby too. Like, Zuby, yeah. I think, I don't know, like, the fact that he was the first big off the bench is promising, but the fact that he didn't play at all the second half is like, mm-hmm. how close is he really to the Bill Self circle of trust? Yeah. I don't really, I'm not really sure. Yeah, I, I did think he played well, though. I mean, he had a couple nice yep. blocks for yep. you, yep. Uh, including the one after, like, MJ Rice kind of got blown by, had, got on a defender's hip, and it looked like he was going to give up an easy layup. He came over, had that big block. I thought he even had, like, he had that nice pass, um, to a guy, I forget who it was, maybe Jalen, who ended up hitting a three. Like, that was a good read by him. So just doing the little things. Also, when they're running up and down the floor, KJ and Zuby look very similar. Really? Like, like not, like, from the side profile, if they're, like, running up and down the floor. Like, they just run the floor well. Well, no, no, they, like, they look like, they look, like, the same. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? I, like, I, 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 like <laughs> I thought it was KJ on the floor at first, and then I was like, wait. I'm it's gonna. Actually I'm gonna leave that comment alone. What do you mean? Um, <laughs> okay. Bobby seems to be hitting a groove. Yep. I actually wanted to to stat profile this because it's it's clear to the eye that he's looked even better. So his his games from November 15th, which was the Duke game, through December 10th, which was his first game back playing against Missouri. That's six games of data. He had eight total points. And seven assists. So, like, 1.3 points per game, like 1.2 assists per game. From December 17th, the Indiana game, to now, which gives you four games, he's had 23 total points. So, almost three times the amount of points, looking at about six points per game. And 14 assists, which is about three and a half assists per game. Yeah. So, double the amount of assists. And that's in two less games. I mean, if Bobby gives you six points per game and three assists per game... You take that to the bank 100%. every day, right? I yes. mean, that's great. That's incredible production. Yeah, and that's that's all we've said from this bench the whole way through. Like, just give 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 something because through the early part of the season, you were getting like nothing from the bench. So now yeah. at least you feel remember, like I mean, you have one guy. Early in the year, it was like you have the starting five, and then the objective of the bench was don't screw it up <laughs> long enough to where the guys get the starters get enough rest to get back in there. Which obviously that's not a recipe for trying to mm-hmm. be successful in terms of getting a Big 12 title, making a deep run of the tournament. So you knew something had to change there. And that's what I was talking about earlier in the show with Bobby Pettiford. Like, Bobby Pettiford, he has to be good because Bill Self thinks he is good, right? So he has to play up to a higher level, and now he is, right, which is great. Mm-hmm. And that frees up a lot of opportunities to give Dewan Harris some more rest because I thought Shreyas, we just had on uh, at the end of the last hour, made some great points about, you know, he said how energy was the difference between KU playing good and bad. Well, if you're de- if your bench if you're only playing six seven guys, and you're gonna try to do that starting basically now or end of January through the rest of the season, like, I mean, talk about serious wear and tear by the time you get to the tournament. Like, suddenly that one thing that you that everyone seems to think like we've had multiple guys on on this show who have said, yeah, I think the energy like even Matt Tate said mm-hmm. the same thing earlier this week. Energy was energy is kind of the difference between them being great versus when they struggle. So you need to have those guys then be in peak physical shape by the time you get to the tournament. And a key to that is going to be make sure that you have depth, that you can play guys so that you don't, you don't have to see Jalen playing 38 minutes a game, DeWan playing 39 minutes a game, 
even a guy like KJ Adams, who we view him as having like a limitless motor. But if he's playing 35 minutes a game, I mean, he's you think he might yeah. wear down eventually. Well, no, I I, I think that. Because this is interesting, I I do think the bench minutes in in a short rotation, like I think it can be overplayed once we get to March. They're like, oh, this team's so deep. For instance, last year Kansas was three hundred and first in the country in bench minutes, and they won the title. We see teams with small rotations go deep in March all the time. Yeah, I don't because yeah. they have longer they have longer periods. But I, what what I thought was the really interesting point that I hadn't considered going back to what you were talking about with Shreyas was the idea that this team has to play such an athletic. A high quick energy, recover, yeah, high, high energy, energy t- style because you don't have that traditional big man, and you're constantly trapping the post and then sprinting away from it to recover. To where it would make sense that this team would potentially tire out faster. And also, like we did, even though last year's team did win the title with the shorter rotation, we did see some negatives of having the shorter rotation. For instance, Ochai Baji fell off toward the end of the well, season shooting dude, the ball. Just look at the Tech game. Look what happened in the last three minutes. Mm-hmm. You played six guys in the second half who were basically by Pettiford, and look what happened. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I don't I don't think – I'm not saying this is why Tech came back because I think, you know, they hit some shots and the crowd was in it as well. But, I mean, you could look at as really that as a very, very small yes. microcosm of what could happen. Yeah, and so I think once we get to the NCAA tournament specifically – It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Because, again, it's longer breaks in between. Like, it's uh, all the commercial breaks are longer and, and everything's fine in that regard. And you're playing two games in a week and, and you're all jazzed up with, with it being that big of a moment. But over the course of a season, over the course of winning the Big 12, it absolutely does matter. Exactly. Like, from now through the Big 12 tournament. That it matters. Yes, and so uh, Bobby playing that way is good because you feel like you start to pencil in that sixth guy. But they're still looking for somebody else. They're still looking for a couple more guys. Certainly, and, no I Joe Yasufu. Yeah, we still think. I thought Cam one Martin Joe, looked pretty good, by the way, too. Yeah, we still think one of Joe or MJ Rice. We mm-hmm. hope, I guess. Zuby has lo- has seemingly he's consistently been the first in. big off the bench, but he's consistently yep. still only playing like five minutes a game. Yeah, so and Cam Martin, you know, he for what he was out there, he did pretty well. Yeah. And that also could be a serious indictment of Zach Clements, though. I mean, I don't know what. But then the game before it was Zach, the second big off the bench. I kind of think what Bill Self is doing is he's saying Zuby has earned the minutes as the second big off the bench. We're just going to experiment with the third big for four or five minutes and see if somebody emerges. I mean, do we think Uday has any shot to get back in there? That's basically what I'm saying. I wouldn't be surprised if next game against West Virginia, Zuby's the first big off the bench, and now Uday's the third. But see, I don't know. It's an audition. It's a rotation. No, I don't agree with that because. Cam and Zach are known as as guys that can stretch the floor. So they they t- in my so mind he's giving it a different look. In my mind, those guys are playing a different role than what Zuby or Ernest are playing. That's fair. So to me, that's that's like the matchup, right? So it's it's KJ, and then it's okay if we need a stretch five. Who's it going to be? Cam or or Cam or uh, Zach? Zach, yeah. And if who's going to be the backup for KJ? Is it going to be Ernest or is it going to be Zuby? Because with you, when you have Zuby or Ernest in there. You play pretty much the same way as you play with KJ, but I think when you have Cam and Zach in, it's when we've seen Bill Self go to those guys, it's been a situation of, okay, we need to be able to stretch the floor. Like they've got a big, they've got a big shot blocker in there. Like we need to be able to spread guys out a little bit. Like kind of what we saw against Oklahoma State, right? So to me, those are there's kind of two separate big battles going on between the bigs in terms of style, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to take a break. Completely shift gears. Florida Man Mad Libs next. This is RCSD. That time on a Wednesday. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Derek Johnson with Nick Springer joined by Sam Speck in the KLWN studio for another edition 
of Florida Man Mad Libs. Oh, yes, gentlemen, we are back. It's like we played a Thursday night game, and now we <laughs> have a shortened week because obviously we had the holiday. The short rest. Last, that's right, short rest, that's true, short, short rest. recovery. Mm -hmm. That's all right, though, but we're back here on a Wednesday, as we always do, and we encourage you at home. I did to some extra brain stretches mm. to make sure my brain stayed loose. There you go. Well, Please. last week, Derek did take the win. However, it was only by one point, so we are 16 Man, to 15. Win? But a win They're in the win. Patronize my what's victory. The, what's the best part of winning, Ugly? Winning! Bang! Winning the W. That's right. Uh, so I'm going to bring this back just because I forgot. Uh, I, I, I kind of lost it the last few weeks. But here's my favorite. So there's none, uh, any redacted words. This is just my favorite Florida man Mad Lib. Uh, uh, not Mad Lib, but uh, headline, headline that I yeah. find. Uh, throughout the week. So a Florida man denies drinking and driving, stating that he only swug his Jack Daniels while at stop signs. So hmm. he was drinking while at stop signs, not in the physical act of driving. So he shouldn't yeah. be charged with drunk driving, well, right? Yeah. He, yeah. he found I mean, a formality. Guess, yeah. No, he was still arrested uh, for yes. DUI. Good. So let's no, get please into do it, not folks. do that. Please, yeah, don't do uh, that. I, again, all of us really suggest for you to, um, again, Participate at home. Round number one, we'll have one redacted word or statement from the overlying headline, and then we'll get into round two in here in a minute. But uh, I have been edited. I have been edited by one of our uh, general managers here. So, Nick, you ready over there? Yeah. All right, here we go. So, I will give you the uh, the cue to call because, again, I don't want to unredact this uh, headline as much as possible, but we do need some help okay. from our producer here. So, here we go. Again, one redacted word. That's it. It's worth one point. Florida man arrested for drug possession and resisting arrest while wearing a shirt that said the police who needs drugs or get in the van. So again, Nick, one okay. more time, if you could. Again, it is the police get in the van or who needs drugs. So all three of these options as to what he was wearing on the front of his shirt presented clearly of day. Um, so wait, what was he arrested for? Or does the headline say? Or is it just um, he was arrested while wearing the shirt? He was arrested while wearing the shirt. He did, <coughs> okay. I, I, I should have. So the headline does not clarify. No, it does not. What However, he was being arrested arrest. for. Okay. However, he was arrested while wearing either <clears throat> once again. Who needs drugs? F the police or get in the van. So, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I I think it might be get in the van. Ooh. Like he's hanging out, like he's hanging out at like a park, and it's like kind of weird. He's like trying to <laughs> kidnap somebody. That'd be very weird. And it's yes. like he's like, "Hey, look at the shirt, man!" Not even trying to hide it anymore. Now get in. So I'm gonna go with that. All get in right, the van. So Nick's going with the van here. Uh, Derek, you've got again. We got if the police. We got who needs drugs or get in the van. What is the statement that said it? I'm gonna go shirt? with who needs. drugs. Drugs is the statement that got this guy arrested on his on his shirt. Okay, so I was originally, I guess, somewhat naively, I was thinking, why would he have a shirt that says "Who needs drugs"? Like, people need drugs. But then I realized that it was like, "Who needs drugs?" And who needs them? I'm trying to sell them. Yeah. Okay. I didn't understand that. At Correct. First. And uh, to be honest, looking at the picture, it could have been a gag gift. It could have been a T-shirt. But legitimately, the Florida man was arrested for. Uh, are you locking in, Derek? By the way, before you. Yes, I am locking. Okay, in. locking in. A Florida man arrested for drug possession and uh, resisting arrest while wearing a T-shirt that said, "Who needs drugs?" Oh. So quite literally, he was <laughs> possessing the drugs that he uh, had on the front of his T-shirt. So again, I don't know if it was a gag gift or something like that whatever well, if it, it wasn't been. a gag gift he clearly or if it was a gag gift he just was just a clearly, mistake he was clearly taking it well, what if he was yeah i mean <laughs> that's what i'm saying what if he thought 
it was one of those situations like hiding under the bed. He was like, oh, they, they'll ah. never suspect me. They'll never stop the guy that says it has yeah. a shirt that says who needs drugs. It'd be, they'll, they'll think that I'm, if I'm a drug dealer, I'm, I have to be secretive. So if I go out in the open and I wear this shirt, they'll never suspect me. Yep. That could be it. Yeah. Act like you're supposed to be somewhere or be Spoiler the most alert. obvious Didn't one. Work. So the, yeah. <laughs> Did not work. Derek comes away with one point there. Well done, Derek. And for you at home again, hopefully you are all playing. That is the last of the one redacted rounds. We now have two words or two phrases that will be redacted from these headlines here. And a total worth of three points if you get them both right or, of course, just one point apiece. But they get wilder as we go. We'll start with the most mild of them all. A blank was used as a weapon in a Florida blank dispute. So we'll start with the first. I hope the second one is a Florida man dispute. <laughs> <laughs> Name of the game. It's like the titles in movies. It, oh, we, yeah. We will, uh, Florida yeah. man. It's like when they say it in the movie. It's like, I heard yeah. it. Yeah. I heard it. You yeah. said it. Oh, there it okay, is. Okay, so here we go. Uh, <laughs> what did this person use as a weapon? Either a boot, a frying pan, or a cat was used as a weapon <laughs> In a Florida blank dispute. We'll get to the second redacted word momentarily, but again, cat boot or frying pan used as a weapon. I'm going to take a page from Derek's playbook here. I don't think a boot is good enough to be in a headline. You see what I'm saying? Like, Mm. if he's using a boot, like a boot, it's not like, you know what I'm saying? No, I don't. What do you mean? Not in terms of that. If if you're playing this grammar headline game, I don't think... I don't know. I think that would no, be pretty noteworthy. You That's also not like no because you're also the one that you try like to the say the headline writer. What's yeah. going to get the clicks or something? What's going to yeah. get the attention? Uh, I, I don't think I, a I boot. Do think that's attention. I don't think a boot would do it. I think no. that's attention worthy. No, I feel like they would say mm. steel toe compared before. to the other no, options. They wouldn't have enough. No, see, yeah, see, Derek's yeah, like that, oh, they, that's where they wouldn't have enough. Not enough letters. Not enough letters in the headline. Okay, so cat boot or frying pan was used as a weapon in this dispute. I mean, I I'm gonna go with frying pan. I think it's frying pan. Is frying pan hyphenated? No, it's two words. Frying pan. What? What, what, what is that? <laughs> what, 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 what does that, that do with anything? Honestly, I just wanted to ask the question because I knew you'd get mad about it. it. Was, yeah, um, it did. It worked. <laughs> honestly, though, if Sam was like, uh, I don't know, then I would have known that was not the answer. Oh, I see. Up. You're trying to do some reverse what? psychology no. here. See. That doesn't make any sense. It does. He's so trying to go off pit. of my responses. Because I, I am. Uh, the house is still playing mm-hmm. a game here, boys. Yeah. Like, the house is still. And you're playing. probably beating us overall. I've only gotten one successful true to where uh, none of you got the answer right, and I still well, hold for the whole one. For the whole one. But nonetheless, either a cat, a boot, or a frying pan. Nick's locked in as a frying so pan used as a weapon. Derek going with the frying pan as well. So either a cat, boot, or frying pan was used as a weapon in a Florida gambling. Fidelity or family dispute? Gambling dispute. Fidelity. Yeah, what is fidelity? Uh, when you cheat on your wife. Oh, basically. Okay. So fidelity is the opposite of infidelity. So hmm. it was a dispute of are you cheating on me or are you not, basically. Okay. Or, again, it could have been a gambling. You owe me money or, See, or that... you don't. Or family just in general. It could so be... I, I don't think it's gambling because I'm trying to think the situation. If we went with frying pan. If we went with frying pan... Dude. It's an underground. It's an underground poker game. <laughs> okay, if that's and what you there's go a with. frying pan in the basement. So they're in like a, a just back bah! kitchen. That's fine. I'm thinking if it's no, a frying it's very pan, plausible. you're in somebody's house, you're in somebody's kitchen. It could be a couple things. You're, so playing, you're playing poker at the card table in the kitchen, and somebody does something else, and whack. It could be fidelity. It could be the last one was family, correct? Correct. It was fidelity, so it family gambling, thing. or family. What if it's a situation where you know somebody's cooking something at the holiday? You know, whatever lunch. Somebody or says something. your cooking sucks. Exactly. Bang, bang. I'm going family. 
Family it is. Derek locking in and family again. Fidelity, gambling. I'm gambling or family I'm gonna, for you at home. Nick, I'm going to literally and figuratively roll the dice. <laughs> gambling. Okay. It is. So Nick is locking in. Here is the full unredacted headline that we had. And uh, you were both wrong. A cat was used as a weapon in a Florida Fidelity dispute. Oh, my gosh. So, <laughs> apparently, uh, Joe Schmoke came home cheating on his wife for what she suspected was uh, some infidelity and used uh, a very aggressive cat. Grab it by the tail and... Now, it did him? not say she was arrested or any charges so, of battery if you're going anything, to use a still, cat as a weapon, do you, like, are you flinging the cat at the person <laughs> or are you just grabbing it and, like, I think Bull the best. Uh, you know, I think, sick him. Well, I, yeah, I, that's you're like, saying. yeah, you're like best case go, scenario is fight, you, you rile attack. up the cat, you rile it up, you get it all balled up, ready to go, and then you just, like you said, sick him on the first person that comes into the room. I don't know. We digress. None of you guys got it. I'll take it. Man. The house, the house will take one today, boys. All right, we get weirder as we go. So, for you at home, again. Keep following along. We'll keep the first redacted word out, and the second we'll get to in a moment. Florida man arrested after, this is a action word, so it's a verb, okay. after blanking on a woman to use blank. So, you're, I'm sure your imaginations are running wild right now. So, a Florida man was arrested after either urinating, sitting, or spitting on a woman to use blank. And these are all 100% legitimate I'm going headlines. sitting. To use blank. Yeah. Because use- I don't know what he would be using to use a toilet, but like he would have already just gone to the bathroom, I guess. Not necessarily. I guess he could. He yeah. could have. He has to go one and two. And he, it's like, so yeah, Derek, Derek seems pretty. No, I'm going to go sitting. This sitting go it sit. is for Derek. Yeah, okay, the, Derek. the spitting one I have a hard time figuring out because what would you spit on it to use? Yeah. Well, and maybe like she's, like using, a, maybe she's using something that he wanted to in the first place. What so. if she oh, was using yeah, the water okay. fountain and she was using it to spit on her to get her up to be like, yeah. I don't That'd know. be like some third grade stuff. Right it, it, Maybe oh, this is. A, this is silly. This yeah, is from, absolutely. Uh, so, uh, St. Peter's <laughs> Elementary's <laughs> this uh, is newspaper. The cream of the crop uh, down here in Florida. You know what? I'm going to go with spitting. Why not? All right. Next see what, see where it takes here. So, Florida man arrested <laughs> after either sitting, urinating, or spitting on a woman to use either a public bench, gym equipment, or a porta potty. So again, you have those three options between public bench, gym equipment, or a porta potty. So again, spitting okay. or hopefully not urinating. Okay, but I know what if I'm you were impatient, with. but nonetheless, uh, yeah. again, there's quite a few options. <laughs> I know. Here. I know what I'm going to go with. All right, Nick, what are you? Are, I see. Okay. I don't Derek? know. I don't okay, know. You want me to go first? Yeah, you go first. Okay, I'm going with gym equipment. It's the new year. Lots of people going to the gym. Very mm. busy place. You know, it's packed. Like this that. is a guy who's like a gym regular, but now he's mad because mm-hmm. all the spots are taken up. So he's like, how am I going to get these people to move off the gym equipment? I know I will spit on them <laughs> to get them to leave the gym equipment, and then I can do my gym stuff. I yeah. definitely would get up. I definitely would. I actually think you're right on this, so I might have to mitigate damage here. I Or do I just go all in on the, the parking bench one? Public bench. Public bench. Um, no, <laughs> I'm, I I think it's the gym. I think you're going to be right on both accounts, so I'm just going to try to I, mitigate points. I mean, points. it could I'm be any gym. of them. It could be any of the options. I'm going gym. Like... I think Jim is right, but I'm not sure about the first part. Yeah. So here it is. Full unredacted. And for you at home that are playing along with us, see how you did. Derek with a big three-banger. Florida man arrested for sitting see, on a woman to use gym equipment. Okay. See, well, see, I could, see, I could have seen that, too, because like, on yeah, the bench she's press, like doing a bench on one press. of the yep, yep, ones yep. where you're sitting, you do, like, the shoulder yep, pulls and yep. stuff. Yeah. 
I almost got you there. The house almost got you there with uh, with our options. So Derek, with a big three, we got a four to one advantage. Yeah, four to one or. so you yeah, have to pick different one. than me both times because okay. you have to get a perfect and I have to get zero. Okay, this is this one. is yep. uh, I, in fact this is where I had to be edited here today, gentlemen. Not because of the beat, but because of uh, actual verbiage. So I did edit this by okay. one word. Okay. Uh, okay. But nonetheless, here we go. It starts out with an exclamation. Here's your final one. Two redacted words again. Maybe worth three points. This is in Spanish. <laughs> they have the exclamation at the start and the end. <laughs> they do. And and an upside down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man's junk injured. A woman's blank blamed for causing blank. <laughs> so, I mean, here we go again. Is this going to be appropriate? What? No, that's why it's been edited. <laughs> but, but we've been edited for it to be appropriate enough. So here we go. A man's junk was injured by a woman's knee, by a woman's nefarious favors, or by a woman's <laughs> ex-husband blamed for causing a blank. Oh, boy. Okay. So, a knee, an ex-husband, or a nefarious favors. That's yeah, pretty distracting. I mean, knee. Okay, <laughs> sure. Like, if you take a knee down there, yeah, sure. Ex-husband, I, I guess. I'm that, going I with think, ex-husband. I think just that would kind know. of fall in line with the nefarious yeah. favors. But would they say nefarious favors in the headline? That's what my thought was. So, I'm going ex-husband. Well, then so I, you I'm going to have to go with different. knee, I guess. Yeah. I don't think knee is right, though. Well, you got to stick with you. Are you going knee? Well, if well you I said need no points, husband. Like, regardless want, of if I'm going to well, win or lose, I need points. Well, you play the long game. You could say I'm just going to lose this week, and I could get points. No, I, could, I need points. Do you want favors? Yes, if you want to copy me, you can need, follow ex-husband. You know what? I'll just go with nefarious favors because okay. it's so wild. It's so crazy. Okay. I'm taking that. Okay, so Nick is locking in on <laughs> these nefarious favors and let your imagination run. Blame for causing a injury, simply enough, internal bleeding, or a car accident. With the other two options. So, again, man's junk okay. injured. Colon. Women's blank blamed for causing either an injury, a car accident, or internal bleeding. Yeah, I, I don't feel I know good about ex-husband. I'm now. going with car accident. I was going to go car accident as well. No, I'm going car accident. Uh, I said it but first. You <laughs> I said it first. Screwed up. Car accident. Oh, <laughs> so Derek, uh, that's, that's a smart betting man right what? there. He's going, he's going off of it. So, here is what it is. And this was... Uh, are you guys locked in? Yes. We yeah. locked in. Everybody yeah. at home locked in? Yep. Okay, here we do. Uh, unredacted. This was actually the legitimate one that had to be edited, and I'll tell you what the word was supposed to be off air. But a man's junk injured because a woman's nefarious favors blamed <laughs> for causing the car accident. So, oh, Nick, goodness. coming away with a big three. But, uh, yeah, no, Derek uh, hedged his bets, got a couple of points there. So, I think an overall point cheater. value. Five to four. Derek's, Derek's a, a cheater. cheater. It's not my – you're the dumb one who picked cheater. I did. Derek's a cheater. You should have just let me pick first. He was excited. No, he was all But over. then I would have picked car first, and then you would have been screwed. So, I actually helped you. Cheater. You something else. Cheater. So, long term, I actually helped you. Uh, cheater. Uh, well, you boys, we me. go back on a regular schedule. We're off of this Thursday night football, Monday night jazz. So, we'll be back next Wednesday. Florida Man Mad Labs, thanks for including me in your fun. We'll be back again. All right, that's Sam Speck with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That's Florida Man Mad Libs. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it.